Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, randomness. Now that the Oscar season is behind us, we both just kind of had a week of watching completely random stuff. And sometimes in the middle of winter, that's the best stuff to watch. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, I decided to try to get the most out of my Netflix fee this month. (laughs) I should probably do that, too. Maybe watch one show every six months on Netflix. I ended up watching not one, but two Liam Neeson movies set in the dead of winter. Let's begin. I really don't have a lot of shows on the go at the moment, so I did some Netflix surfing this week. I sampled a trio of shows that have debuted in recent weeks. They're all new. The first show I watched was called Lock and Key. Hey, check it out. We're here. Welcome to Key House. I could never get your father to talk about his life here. My kids need a home. Does it have to be this home? Hello? Are you my echo? Yes. I really like the premise of this show. Not sure how it's going to play out, though. There's this family, the Locks, that we heard there. They were living in Seattle when the dad passed away. So the mom and the kids, a teen boy, a teen girl, and a younger boy, pack up and head to Massachusetts to Key House, a family home that belonged to the dad, the dead dad, and his brother, who lives in nearby Boston. The house has been empty for years, but that brother's been in charge of maintaining it. He's been neglectful, but it's still livable, so in they go. And this house is huge and creepy. It's almost like a gothic mansion. Now the youngest kid, Bodie, soon discovers that there's a magical or supernatural element to his surroundings. He hears the voice in the well that we heard in the clip that tells him she's his echo. She also has the job of being the exposition fairy to the audience. She tells him there are keys in the house that will call to him. Each key has special powers. We find out there's some menace involved in all of this as well. There's a confrontation in a Seattle flashback with a young man demanding the dad tell him the secrets of Key House. So there's a lot of explaining to do, presumably the mom moved them there to find out the secrets of the house. We see some of the magic provided by a couple of keys in the first episode. Um, And then there's also this teen drama involving the other two siblings as they start at a new high school. A lot of that drama also involves trauma dating back to Seattle. The show looks terrific. The house is a great setting, as is the small town on which the house sits on the outskirts of. I love small town shows, so you get to build a whole community and you don't get just, you know, random people in a giant city. Everybody Everybody in town sort of is going to play a part. It's a little cringy at times, sometimes because of the kid, but you got to cut the kid actor some slack, I guess. And some of it is just the nature of shows that are geared toward teenagers, and I guess they're, I gather that this is a teenage show. Uh, there is, in the first episode, a very funny joke involving a middle finger. It's almost worth it for that. And I am intrigued enough to keep watching Lock and Key. I watched one episode, so we'll see how many more I get through. Yeah, one of my buddies said that this is the latest show that he's on. And indeed, looking at the Netflix description, uh, where I guess they they sort of give bullet points as to what where this fits. Oh, so yeah. they've got mind-bending, witty, oh. fantasy TV, action, and there you go. But it sounds fun, and I'm with you yeah. on the small town shows, the, or shows set in small towns and big creepy old houses. Uh, it just it adds to that element of sort of fantasy, and that yeah. it's not really almost feels like it's otherworldly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so it's cool. And Massachusetts is in the winter. It's also sort of in the winter, I think, at the beginning, in, in rural Massachusetts, which is always kind of scenic. So that works just fine. The next show I watch is definitely for grown ups. It's a British show called The Stranger. 
Maybe a monster in the show, but there also may be a non-supernatural explanation for one of the weird things that makes me think there may be a monster in the show. Uh, there's a couple of weird things. I won't get into what the weird things are because they are weird enough you'll want to be surprised if you do watch the show. There are a couple of storylines that are tangentially related in the first episode. Again, I watched just the first episode. Did you just use the word tangentially in a sentence? Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, a family in England is at the center of this show. A mom, a dad, and two boys. Um, one's like a 17-year-old, the other like a 12-year-old. I couldn't figure out where in England it is. At first I thought it was London, but I think maybe it's a suburb because it is close to the countryside. A lot of the homes are bunched up tight like it is in a big city. Richard Armitage plays the dad of the main family. He was the main dwarf in the Hobbit movies. And one day he's approached by the stranger, just some nameless lady, who tells him something disturbing about his wife. Like we heard in the clip, she says, your wife faked this pregnancy. So he starts investigating to see if it's true, and it leads to more questions about what his wife may or may not be up to. The teenage son, meantime, goes to a party in the woods with his friends, and then something terrible happens. We think we don't see it all in the first episode. That'll be doling that out information-wise throughout the season, I would assume. Then another weird thing happens in... The town square or the suburban police or suburban public space or whatever that gets the police involved. One of the police is Siobhan Finneran, and it took me a while to place her because she's a modern woman in the show. It's set in the current day, but I know her from Downton Abbey, and so when it's modern day and then it's olden times, I get confused. Uh, she was kind of villainous on Downton Abbey, so it was hard for me to trust her, but she's a good guy. She's a policeman, uh, and her she, she has a partner who's the comic relief. They start investigating the weird thing. It starts tying in with some of the other stuff, including a shocking revelation at the end of the first episode. Uh, I thought the show was mostly good. I definitely want to see what's up with that guy's wife. The problem I found with the show was actually The Stranger. I don't like the gimmicky nature of it. It sounds like one of the many bad ideas that followed in the three years after Lost first debuted, when the networks uh, just threw every dumb idea at the wall to see what would stick. They could have launched all these storylines without The Stranger, but I guess the show needs a gimmick to get attention and i don't know if it's a british thing but when the stranger approaches him at first he's having a beer at this bar that's attached to a soccer field where his kid is doing tryouts for a soccer team so the dads are all drinking while the kids are playing soccer which uh, doesn't sound that sounds like a british thing oh no i know i know plenty of dads who drink while their kids are uh, at an attached bar to the soccer field no well when their kids are doing curling They'll be up in the clubhouse oh, or whatever, okay. having a drink. And uh, you never heard of parents just sneaking stuff into the sidelines? You no. Know, mom's packing some wine into their water bottles and whatnot. I've not heard of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's you, a, you know more interesting parents than I do. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> well, God, you got to get through your, your kid's soccer game. So you're going to need some stuff to get yeah. through that. A couple of things about The Stranger. I, I turned on the first episode because I heard a couple of people talking about it. And I just, as it turned out, I wasn't in the mood because I... I 
didn't quite realize how sort of dark it it felt like it was going to be a dark show yeah uh, so i got 20 minutes in but i really like richard armitage uh, yeah. who he was uh, the main dwarf in the yeah. hobbit movies he was tremendous in that it's and he was weird in, when uh, i see him without a beard but whatever yeah and he was in that uh, hannibal tv show he was the red dragon and you might also remember i think you watched that storm movie was it into the storm it's a tornado movie from a couple of years ago and he was in that, so do not recall. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember if you watched that one. I might be con- I might be mixing that one up with Geostorm, but uh, <clears throat> and also you're asking about where or you were commenting on where this takes place. So it was filmed in Manchester, Bolton, and Stockport. It's assumed to be set uh, in a suburb just kind of outside okay. of Manchester. But the book it's based on a novel from 2015 by Harlan Coben, and that is set in Cedarfield, New Jersey. Oh, so it's the opposite of what we usually get from Hollywood, where Hollywood will take some foreign thing and make the American version of it. This time, British TV people have taken an American book and made the British version. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, because it feels like there's definitely, you know, a city there, or they have access to a city, and like, because a lot of, like I said, there's houses that are all bunched together, like you find on a city street, but then it's also does have this rural field because these kids are all partying out in the woods somewhere. So I don't know. Okay. Well, that's two yeah. strong shows. And up next, we're going to tell you about a show from Norway that apparently involves a young god of thunder. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Talking about a few new Netflix shows that uh, I watched, I sampled this week. We already talked about Lock and Key and The Stranger. Both good, and I think I'll continue with each of those. But this third one is the one I'm really excited about. Uh, The title made me curious, and I'm surprised we haven't heard more about Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, it's in Norwegian. Right on. <laughs> the clip is so short. Now, long story short, this is like Smallville, but about Thor instead of Superman. I haven't looked into it yet, and I sort of want to avoid spoilers, so I'm loath to Google anything about this show. But I imagine since it's based on Norse mythology, Marvel can't just own Thor, right? <laughs> Correct. But they do sort of own Thor, but I don't know. Maybe the show is somehow owned by Marvel. It would be on Disney Plus then, I suspect. So whatever. I don't think it's a Marvel thing. Now, Ragnarok, like I said, it's a Norwegian show spoken in Norwegian with English subtitles. It's not really for kids. There was one disturbing image in the first episode and a couple of F-bombs. It's about this high school kid, Magna, who returns to his hometown with his mom and brother after having moved away when he was a very little kid. In fact, the mom and kids moved away from the town, I think it's called Edda, after the father passed away. Uh, when Magna was maybe about four years old. The funny thing is, as soon as they move back to town, he starts feeling different. He feels a little stronger, although he was always a strong kid, and he finds he doesn't need his glasses like he used to. He also has lightning eyes sometimes. There's something about the town, which we find out has deeper ties to the old Norse gods and other Norwegian communities. Uh, It's obvious where it's all going, and thankfully they don't try to hide it. They don't come right out and say it in the first episode, but it's also not going to be 10 episodes of hinting at stuff without getting on with it, I don't think. There are all sorts of parallels to even the limited knowledge I have of Thor and Ragnarok, and as with all Norwegian shows, of course, the scenery is just amazing. And there's also teenage angst and romance and stuff like that. He goes to high school, uh, and I actually thought this was done better in this than it was in Lock and Key. The kid they cast as Magna is just perfect. He looks like he's a bit dense, which he's supposed to be, his character. 
there. But he also looks kind, but he also looks capable of breaking skulls. And while he doesn't look anything like Chris Hemsworth, he looks like Thor. Like, I saw the title Ragnarok, I clicked on it. A photo of this kid shows, comes up and I said, oh, he's Thor. So, the first episode opened a lot of threads and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and another cool thing about this one, it's only six episodes. Yeah. That's one of the, the good things I, I think about. Well, it's it can be good and bad, depending on what your appetite is, but yeah, I think it's good that a lot of these European shows, like Bodyguard, for example, which I loved uh, last year, only had six episodes. So it's something that, it's not a huge time commitment, right? right. Like even 10 episodes can be kind of tedious because and to the, binge through that, you probably, most normal people would probably need at least two to three days. Couch potatoes could do it in one day <laughs> if needed. Two yep. days uh, likely, but uh, I, I don't. I, I don't really enjoy that anymore. I like to sort of take my time. Me too. That's why I liked. I was like, ooh, instead of watching. Uh, th- first, I thought, oh, I'll watch three episodes of Lock and Key, and then I was like, why don't I watch one episode of three different shows and just see what happens that way, you know? And I really enjoyed doing that. And then it, I, I thought, especially during Lock and Key and The Stranger, where they had a lot of. They started a lot of stories lines in the first episodes of each of those. I thought, oh, maybe these guys have bitten off more than they can chew. But then I thought, you know, usually with these Netflix shows, by the time we get to episode five or six, we start thinking there's not enough story to sustain all this. So maybe it's a good thing that they've opened a lot of storylines to try to follow. Okay, so it's Lock and Key, The Stranger, and Ragnarok. And I am... I want to check like out Ragnarok. all three. Yeah, I'll have to add Ragnarok. <laughs> because I, too, I, I, I kind of don't have a ton of shows right now. Like, really, I've got Survivor. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Curb. Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. I'm struggling to think of what else I have. I guess I have 11 episodes, or maybe 12 now, episodes of This Is Us piled up. Ooh. I don't know why. I, I watched the first episode, yeah. and then I just never went back to it. And Sur- Supernatural is on hiatus until... Mid March, I think, which is a time. Yeah, well, I guess they're getting ready for their final push. This oh, is their yeah. final season for Su- Supernatural. Dare I ask about Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh, of course, yes, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, you caught up? Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about um, Modern Family? Modern Family, no. Four I, seasons behind. Uh, I uh, definitely, I didn't watch last season, and I don't think I finished the season prior. That is something that I, I feel like I will need to do one day, though, just to be a completist, right? Like you can't, you can't watch nine seasons or whatever of a show and then, yeah, quit. you feel, yeah. I got friends that did that. They watched like eight and a half seasons of The Office and then didn't watch the last 10 episodes or something. Oh, it's like, what's geez. wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but I do need to make time for Modern Family, especially because I declared it in our last, so in our previous best of the decade TV shows, I had Modern Family in there based on its first season to the point where one of my buddies was saying, you can't, you can't put that in your favorite <laughs> shows of the year. decade. I'm like, hey, it's my show. Yeah, so exactly. Go to hell. <laughs> uh, okay, let's have a quick peek at what is coming to home video. You've heard the buzz. You guys fans? Knives Out is the best murder mystery of all time. No. It's an ingenious (laughs) crowd pleaser with an extraordinary cast. Oh my God. None of them are murderers. We'll find out. It'll keep you guessing until the very end. I keep waiting for the big reveal. (laughs) Knives Out. Rated PG-13. Thanksgiving. 
The murder mystery from Ryan Johnson, starring Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, Lakeith Steinfield, and Christopher Plummer, and many more. A great murder mystery. They're actually making a sequel of that, at least with Daniel Craig. So uh, that's out on Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday. Highly recommended by the Couch Potatoes if you've not yet seen it. Yeah, I would like to see that again because the first time I saw it, the first hour was about what I was expecting. And then it takes yeah. a really significant turn. And that's not a bad thing. It just, I I kind of liked the tone from the first half and just wanted it to keep going that way. But it got pretty dark and serious for a while. Have you seen Parasite yet? No. You're going to maybe have a similar thoughts about Parasite. Well, I have no expectations with Parasite. When yeah. I was out, I had a very specific expectation of what yeah. was coming. But Parasite, I have no idea. So uh, I, that's on my list for this weekend. Knives Out is also a good rewatch. I've seen it twice. And just with murder mysteries in general, the second time around, it's just like, oh, because you know what's going to happen. And then you're like, oh, this guy's doing that. And blah, 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 blah. Uh, on Digital HD on Tuesday, Bombshells Out, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, and John Lithgow. That's about the sexual harassment at Fox news and uncut gems lol because it's also for free on netflix <laughs> yeah that's right because it it, it it was it played in theaters in the united states yeah. but not in canada really so we get it on netflix and it doesn't go to netflix there for quite some time up next i had a night with liam neeson Ooh, come on now oh. you're listening to the couch potatoes brett mcgarry jeff braun we are the couch potatoes i said i had a night with liam neeson i will explain saturday night I decided to just go through my PVR, see what movies were available, and I stumbled upon one that came out on February 8th of last year, and I've wanted to see it ever since. Liam Neeson was Mr. Plow in Cold Pursuit. I'm very honored to be named Kehoe Citizen of the Year. I'm just a guy who keeps a strip of civilization open. When you drive the same road day after day, it's easy to think about the road not taken. I was lucky. I picked a good road early, and I stayed on it. Mr. Coxman? What can I do for you? It's about your son. His son is dead. Neeson plays a guy who drives a snow plow in Alaska and investigates his son's death. died of a heroin overdose. We didn't know our own son. Kyle wasn't a druggie. Sorry, but all the parents say that. You're gonna have to say a few words. Kyle's dead. Tell me what happened. He got mixed up with some drug dealer. Viking. He likes hurting people. What is it with all these nicknames? Speedo, Viking, Eskimo. It's a gangster thing. Did you have a nickname? Wingman. Wingman. Gonna kill him. That's right, it's a revenge movie which has been Neeson's bread and butter for the last 10 years. He starts killing the thugs and the drug gang, often incorporating his big plow. One guy could disappear. Two? Who wants me dead? Three of Vikings drug dealers have disappeared. What makes you think you can kill a man? I read it in a crime novel. It's based on a Norwegian movie, In Order of Disappearance. Emmy Rossum, Laura Dern, William Forsyth, Tom Jackson, and John Doman co-star. Nels Coxman, Citizen of the Year. Good for him. 
So much like uh, we were talking about how you said you like movies that are set kind of in small towns yeah. or on the edges of a small town, uh, and I enjoy that too. I love movies that are set in remote spots in the winter. Yeah, and it, good call. Yeah, it just it 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 adds to that kind of claustrophobia. Even though it's there, are like it's wide open in spots. And no it, help is coming. Yeah, and this is super remote, but it's beautiful. They're surrounded by mountains, and uh, so right away, this is a just a wonderful movie to look at. But this one caught me off guard because from what I remembered from the marketing, it looked like it was a pretty straightforward revenge movie. Liam Neeson's son gets killed. He takes out the trash. But the way that they chose to to tell the story was it had like a, a lot of dark humor. And every time, and I didn't quite understand what was happening when this first happened, but every time somebody died, you would get this like, title card with uh, with a drawing of a cross or some sort of doodle above it. And it was essentially uh, a way to acknowledge, like, okay, this person's gone, <laughs> this person's gone, like, rest in peace, so-and-so. And at times, there's there are, like, you'd get, like, 15 people appear all at once because oh, there's a shootout or whatever. So this movie actually exceeded my expectations. I just figured out it's going to be kind of a mindless action movie and it was that to an extent but it just had some extra elements of flair that kind of separated it i think it was 69 percent on rotten tomatoes it made 76 million dollars worldwide i didn't the villain guy who the guy who was playing the, i don't even know i, I doesn't matter who he was i've never never seen this guy before a little over the top he really hammed it up really? and i <laughs> thought that it was almost too hammy but Overall, this is a a good movie to like if you're just looking for something random. This was fun. I think I would have enjoyed seeing this on the big screen too because of its scenery. So if you've got a big television, like a really big television, I think you'll enjoy Cold Pursuit. So that's worth checking out. I watched it by the way on Amazon. It's on uh, Prime Video. Oh, cool. So uh, you know what? I got to confirm that. But after I finished watching Cold Pursuit, I thought. You know, I really enjoyed that Liam Neeson winter movie, and there's a certain Liam Neeson winter movie that I love, and it's about time I watch it again, The Grey. Play one time. It's in pieces. We need a fire. Can we find food? If we don't move, I'm working now. We're all freeze to death. Somebody will find us. They gotta know that plane went off the radar. Nobody's gonna find us. Not here. We figure out what way is south, and we start walking. This will be one of those wild stories you tell at a party. <laughs> In the gray, Neeson plays a security specialist whose job is to keep some oil rig roughnecks safe while they're on the job. Oh, by the way, I can confirm Cold Pursuit is on Amazon. So once the job is finished, they get on the plane to go home, and it crashes in the Alaskan wilderness. As if that isn't bad enough, having to deal with the nasty elements of Alaska, they've got bigger problems. If we can get to that tree line, we can better defend ourselves. Here's some neat trivia, by the way. Joe Carnahan directed The Grey. He also directed The A-Team, which also starred Neeson. Bradley Cooper was in The A-Team, too, and he was originally cast in Neeson's role for The Grey. Not sure why Cooper dropped out. And while I like Cooper, Neeson is far more grizzled and proved and taken that he is a serious, serious badass, perfect to tackle the elements and wolves of the gray. You gotta be kidding me. 
We could climb down. Following a river, we got a better chance of finding shelter. How are we gonna deal with this? We take them on, one at a time. I want to see your face, feel your hands in mine. Don't stop! on Rotten Tomatoes, and a very similar box office haul to Cold Pursuit, which had 76 mil. The Grey had 79 million, came out back in uh, 2012. And I just, I love this movie. This is one of those movies that I feel compelled to watch every year, every winter, because it was such a surprise. The marketing made it look like it was just going to be this straight up sort of survival movie and, uh, you know, with a lot of wolf punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene in the trailer where Liam Neeson breaks a trio of mini bar bottles of booze and sticks them between his knuckles in a MacGyver-esque makeshift brass knuckles of death as he goes charging towards this wolf. But that's not the case. This movie is like, yeah, they defy death in many scenes and there's wolf fighting, but it's, it's a lot more touching. It's a lot more philosophical. And there are many points where they just slow down and just let you breathe in the beautiful scenery of this film. So this was way better than I expected, to the point where it actually was re-released later that year uh, for with an attempt to try to get some Oscar nominations. Yeah, because it was, you're right, I remember people saying, wait a minute now, the, the gray is not taken for except in the woods, the wilderness or whatever, it's actually legit. So I do remember that they did that. I don't think it ended up getting, it might have got a couple of nominations actually. I don't... Uh, Technical stuff, no? I, Sound? I should have looked Best that wolf. Up. You know, see that 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 would be that's the benefit of uh, being prepared coming into a show yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we, yeah. we always think of this stuff while we're doing it. So I've still not seen the gray. I, it's on it's on my list now. Now you've made a very compelling case for to have a Liam Neeson weekend and watch both of these movies. And he's been working on a new winter movie. I can't remember the specifics of that, but he's been in Winnipeg area working on another movie set in the winter. Obviously, so he's going to have like a trilogy. Nice. <laughs> and it looks like you can watch it on Prime as well. I I watched it on Blu-ray because this is one of the movies I, yeah. I just had to go out and buy. It was on your decade list in December that we did. I've already forgotten. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I am useless. My my mind is like Swiss cheese. I'm Dr. Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap. So Cold Pursuit was fun. The Grey, I think, is excellent. It is way more. And it, it did caught, it caught a lot of people by surprise, too. Like the people I went to see that with, I think we were all in agreement. Like, that was really good. And we just thought it was going to be this kind of dumb movie about fighting wolves. So I know how it ends. Is that going to ruin it for me? I don't think so. No, because it's about the journey and, and frankly i mean i knew how apollo 13 and titanic were gonna end so oh yeah didn't ruin those okay well jeff watched oh. a random classic movie we'll tell you how jeff became a maverick this week you're listening to the couch potatoes welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett and i finally saw a classic movie that everyone's already seen and somehow i've not seen it for 35 years i'm maverick maverick does your mother not like you or something Top Gun! Yeah, buddy! Starring Tom Cruise as Maverick, the fighter jet pilot. (laughs) It was just one of those blind spots where I hadn't seen it for years and years and years. And admittedly, I was sort of proud of it. I could have seen it, you know, like 15 years ago. And I was like, let's just keep this going, see how long I can not see Top Gun. But last week, I decided, eh, enough's enough. And the sequel's coming out June 26th. So I figured, oh, let's get on board with Top Gun. Uh, Oh, it's an 80s movie, right? So a couple of different things. On the one hand, it is an 80s movie, and it's very bad in that regard because it's just so cheesy and corny and just it's just got that 80s 
paint all over it that it makes for not a great movie, but it's still entertaining. They still laugh at these guys in the locker room with their little catchphrases. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And the beyond oily volleyball game, which was made me question a lot of things about myself. But then there's the action, the great jet action. That is amazing that the the footage of the fighter jets is still holds up. Like, you don't see stuff like that in the movies now. I guess these guys had access. The Navy gave them all access or whatever. Put cameras in planes, and away they went. I was very impressed with that. Even now I'm a little bit sort of nervous about the sequel because if they're going to do CGI planes or something, I mean, they can make that look so much smoother, but it's also, there's just the fakeness to it that you know that it's fake, right? Yeah. Like, with this, it was just like, you could tell, like, they can't fake that. That's a camera in the cockpit of a fighter jet shooting out the window at another fighter jet. It's just, is I, I was, I couldn't believe how good that was. I was like, somebody should have told me that that's how impressive that was. I would have watched this years ago. Damn, yeah, you make me want to watch this movie again. It's been years since I've watched Top Gun, but I remember just being completely thrilled by it. You're right, it's not a great movie, and no. I just checked it's Rotten Tomatoes, 54%. But it's it's seen with so much fondness, and that sequel. I think I'm curious. I don't think it's going to be a, a mega smash hit, but I think it'll it'll yeah. be like a moderate hit. And I heard, and I don't know if it's rumor or fake or whatever, but I heard that Tom Cruise learned how to fly a plane to shoot it. Well, there is there he is did one the s- helicopter in Mission Impossible, so why not the fighter jet? Well, and there is a scene in the trailer where it's 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 the camera is trained on him as this jet is taking off, yeah. and there's no one else in the plane, so. True. Uh, that then Tom Cruise he goes all in right yeah so, and just as a side note that what year was that eighty six I think so uh, Firebirds is a movie that came out in nineteen ninety starring Nicolas Cage Tommy Lee Jones and Sean Young it was essentially a, a Top Gun ripoff in helicopters. Ugh. 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Even when I was 13 years old, I knew oh, that this movie was garbage. That's bad. If you got a 13-year-old kid saying your action movie sucks, your action movie sucks. Well, because while the helicopters were cool, they just weren't as... They're nowhere near as fast just, as Top Gun. Yeah. Do yeah. one with blimps next. Yeah. They, they needed to... like The Mission Impossible movie did cool stuff with helicopters, but this was just trying to be... They were just doing speed, and we're thinking, well, this is not speed. <laughs> you can't do helicopters uh, in that way. So there you go. Speaking of great action, yep. but not a great movie, I started watching a crazy action movie on Netflix. I say started because it was almost... Too much even for me, and I love action movies. It's from director Michael Bay, which comes with immediate, oh boy. Uh huh. The movie stars Ryan Reynolds and is called Six Underground. There's this trick that we all do to get through our day. We take a box. And into that box, we place all the horrors of the world. And we close the box and pretend it doesn't exist. Only some of us, we've lost our ability to pretend. So the movie was released on December 13th. I've been meaning to watch it, but haven't been super pumped to do it because it's got 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. And and it's Michael Bay, and I I like some of his movies, but his movies just have gotten progressively worse over the years. They summarize it as follows. Six Underground is loud, frenetic, and finally preposterous, which is either bad news or a hearty recommendation, depending on how one feels about the movies of Michael Bay. Uh, One of my buddies watched it and texted me saying, I decided to watch Six Underground. It's 
a lot. It's <laughs> like Michael Bay put on a seminar on how to out Michael Bay, Michael Bay, and then chose the top Michael Bay contemporaries to direct his Michael Bay movie. So and I'm only 15 minutes in. Oh my god. I'm going to at least watch 15 minutes, I think. Oh, it's crazy. It's insane and it reminded me of that remember that Verizon commercial he did back in 2008 where he's just like he's in his house and he's blowing stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, everything had to be awesome. Hmm, <laughs> genius. Hi, I'm Michael Bay, director of Hollywood hits such as Transformers. And I demand things to be awesome. Awesome pussycat. Awesome house, awesome yard. Awesome barbecue, awesome pool. My friend added another text. So far it's good in a con air kind of way. Deep down you know it's trash, but it's so out of control entertaining, you sort of don't care. So it's about this group of six people who are all dead, at least on paper, and they've come together to take out the trash and... I, the first time I, I tried to watch it, like I only, I'm only about 40 minutes in. So the first time I tried to watch it, I got 20 minutes in and I turned it off because I was tired. Yeah. But I just didn't have the energy required to absorb the absolute carnage on the screen. My friend was right. This is classic Michael Bay, but turned up well beyond 11, more like turned up to infinity to put it into Michael Bay sort of exaggerated terms. It's like if you lived in a cabin in the woods by yourself and then one day you open your door and outside was the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the action is tremendous. The car chase wow. was wild, but it is so much and it's surprisingly violent. There's a, there's a lot of wanton carnage and death that wasn't all that necessary didn't add to the story and i don't want to sound like a prude you know (laughs) oh no it's violent but i've never cared for people dying on screen just for the sake of extra death unless it's a slasher movie then i want to see people die in very creative ways (laughs) but this movie is big it's bright it's colorful and indeed tons of explosions so like i said I, i started watching it again the next night on wednesday night got another 20 minutes in and then remembered oh survivor's on so six under ground's gonna have to wait back burner yeah but i hey it's a michael bay movie you get what you pay for in this case it's on netflix so you're just paying for your streaming fee i know it's gonna be stupid but the trailer (laughs) promises more insane action so if you like crazy action and you don't care about quality six underground check that out maybe i'll give you a final review next week because that's all the time we've got i'm brett he's jeff we are the couch potatoes and remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother (laughs)